Hello and welcome to this Net Zero Investor Podcast. I'm Monica Woodley. Today I'm speaking with Ulf Erlinsund, who is founder of the Anthropocene Fixed Income Institute, and we're going to be discussing sustainability-linked bond. Welcome, Ulf. Thank you very much. Very glad to be here. Now, I've seen quite a bit of innovation in the fixed income space of, of ESG investment. We have things like green bonds, blue bonds, sustainable bonds, social bonds. Yes, as I said, lots of innovation. So how exactly do sustainability-linked bonds fit into that space? And, and could you give us just a little bit of a, a guide to how they work? Yeah, so the construct of a sustainability-linked bond is actually uh, going back uh, quite some time, although without the direct sustainability linkages. Uh, the idea is that you have a traditional bond that you know pays a coupon over a number of years, but in the case of the this uh, this step facility that you have in the uh, sustainability-linked bond, the coupon can go up or go down depending on some condition in the future. And that condition you actually set at the inception of the bond. So traditionally you would have bonds dependent on ratings, for example, that would have a higher coupon if the company got downgraded after a couple of years. And that's the same idea, but you connect this with sustainability targets instead sustainability performance target, SPTs as they, they're called in the business. So at beginning of the life of the bond, the investor and the issuer, they negotiate some sort of conditions, some SPTs that the company or the issuer is supposed to achieve after a certain number of years. If they don't, then there is a change in, in the coupon of the bond, usually a step up. Okay. Okay. And how do you see this, like I said, fitting into that that space with other types of, of, of ESG bonds? How might they be used differently or, or you know, by different types of companies? So one very defining feature of the SLB compared to, for example, green bonds is that the SLB looks at the full company. It takes sort of a holistic perspective on the company. So it's usually a, a target in the bond for the company, for example, to reduce its carbon intensity by 25% in five years. Mm-hmm. That encompasses all the activities of the company. If you look at the more traditional green bonds or other type of ESG bonds, what they tend to do is to say, okay, this bond, let's say $500 million of financing, is used towards something green, for example, building renewables capacity or or something like that. So there's a sort of a connection between the money and some investment project inside the company. But then you know, to some extent being agnostic about the rest of the company. This is, it's not uh, proper to call it full uh, ring-fenced assets or asset-backed because that's a special asset, uh, uh, a special bond type of class, but it's sort of a soft ring-fencing in a traditional uh, ESG or uh, green bond format. And you sort of get around that because that has some issues associated with it. With the SLB structure, looking at the full company, you get around those. Okay. In terms of you know, types of companies that, that might use this, do you think that they're actually more likely to, to drive change if, if they aren't just rink-fenced to a, a, spe- a special green project? Yeah, definitely. And especially, I think it's important for medium-sized companies uh, that aren't big enough to have a big pool of green assets on which they can sort of issue a green bond. 
Um, so most companies will not have, you know, billions and billions of debt outstanding. So they can take a small part of that to, 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 to become green. And in that, those cases, it's actually much better to take uh, a bond structure that looks at the full company. So they can say, you know, as a, as a whole, we are targeting these types of achievements, but we are not able to sort of ring fence particular assets for that, uh, for that purpose. So, so uh, I think in one way, then also an, an easier administrative burden. Uh, when you look at the ESG or the, the green bond format, you try often to make some sort of separation of the assets you, or the money you raised through the bond and try to you know, uh, keep track of that. Whereas in the SLB structure, you don't have to separate out that money particularly. You just have to keep uh, your eyes on, on the actual sustainability targets and how to measure, uh, measure those. And I, I guess measurement is is really the key word here. Um, if if um, they are linked to specific targets, that obviously requires some good data, and um, data is is often a, a a problem area for ESG in in general. There's a, a lot of criticisms of of the information companies give, how data uh, ratings providers use them, etc. So, does this make administering SLBs trickier? Yes and no. Uh, and, you know, very much as you highlight, the debate around ESG data in the industry is, is pretty fierce. If I had a dime for every yeah. um, conference mm-hmm. that you get asked to to discuss this, then I'd probably have $253 or something like that, at least. <laughs> so the cool thing, and I'm, I'm very bullish on this structure, is the fact that, you know, suddenly you have an incentive to collect the data, both from the investor side as well as from the company side. I mean, you have these performance targets. You have to provide data in order to achieve those. So it becomes an incentive for people to collect good data and try to verify that data as well. A reminder here also, the most prevalent feature in the SFB market right now is step-up structures. That means that the investor gets compensation if the company does not reach the target. And that could also be if there's not good enough data, uh, well, then they are going to seek compensation. So this drives an incentive both for the investor and the issuer to get good data out there. And and we argue also there's a pricing benefit if you have a good data uh, to it. So suddenly it becomes a format where you want to drive good data rather than if I'm going to be a little bit mean uh, around the green bond format, no one wants an accident to happen. If you've invested in a green bond, either as, a, as an investor, you certainly don't want to get you know, new information that tells you that your green bond wasn't a good investment because that might you know, negatively affect investment performance. And these these incentives become much more balanced in uh, for for data become much uh, ba- more balanced in uh, in the SLB structure. That's a really good point, um, and I know there's uh, with these uh, bonds the the concept of of greeniums, so the 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 benefit of of being green. How do you think investors should be thinking about the value, price, and and yield of SLBs relative to more traditional bonds? So we've done um, some, um, I think, pretty exciting work at the Institute over this year trying to, you know, dissect the question around pricing in um, SLBs. Now, one way to view the SLB is to look at it more as a traditional bond, but then with an option 
on a higher interest rate in the future if we're looking at the step-up structure. So a traditional bond plus an option. Now, who's taking what side on this option? Well, the issuer is selling the option and the investor is buying the option. That means that you know the investor is getting or is paying for some potential future financial value and the investor or the, the issuer, excuse me, is collecting that premium, that option premium. Now, the size of that premium depends on a number of conditions. How valuable is that future financial cash flow that might come? How likely is it to happen? And at what, over what periods of time and so on? And that you can sort of deduce from a pricing model and the, the work we've done has been focusing on this. Now, how, this, how does this relate to Greenium? Well, it might be the case that you have a traditional bond that trades at you know, 4.5% yield, and then you can have an SLB that trades at a yield of 4.25%, for example. Normally, you would say, okay, that's a greenium of 25 basis points. But you can't really say that because mostly what we understand with the greenium is how much more people are willing to pay for some sort of green feature in a bond. In the SLB case that I talked about there, those 25 basis points might be a pure financial value of having that optionality. So that might be why investors are willing to pay, willing to receive a lower interest rate. It might not be because they are you know, interested in the green features. It might only be like almost like a fun- financial transaction going on there. So you have to separate out this option premium component from what's called the, the greenium or the non-pecuniary premium that you put in these things. And and that's exciting with the SLBs because then you can discuss sort of sustainability commitments, almost like a a financial contract rather than sort of we're hoping that you're going to do something good with our money. And I think that's important for investors, Mm -hmm. especially fiduciary investors that have to explain to their end investees why they are entering into a particular bond or how they're motivating the price at which they are entering into trade. So we try to advise people to not talk about greeniums in SLBs so much as of of the actual optionality in there. There is a bit of greeniums as well. That comes later on 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 the option premium, but but it's not, you need to separate uh, separate out the two. Could you explain how um, different aspects of the structure of a sustainability-linked bond should in fact affect how investors think about the price and um, ultimately how that would affect investor demand. Yeah, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, there are you know, some purely you know, financial discounting factors. I mean, the size of the step up, for example, if it's very small, there's little financial value to it. If you're not getting, getting paid that step up for very many uh, periods of time, then it has less value and so on. But that's pure sort of present valuing of future cash flows. A key determining factor of the SLB is in terms of probabilities of the coupon actually being stepped up when we're talking about those structures. If you have a 25% probability that the step up is going to happen, well, then you ascribe a lower probability or a lower value to the optionality than in the case where you have a 75% or 50% probability that the step up will happen. Now, 
what's been in the market often has been almost like a 0% probability that the step up will happen. We call them uh, participation trophy SLBs because it's like the issuer essentially shows up and they are not going to have to pay the step ups. However, that then reflects back to the pricing equation, if you want to put it that way. If you're not offering any optionality to the investor, then the investor cannot pay more for the bond. So in the case we said about you know, 4.5% in a, in a sort of standard bond format and 4.25%, that would only happen in a case where the SLB actually has a fairly good chance of stepping up. And there is some substantial cash flows associated with that. So in order to make it attractive and achieve a lower cost of capital, the issuer should be looking at more ambitious type of targets that are harder to achieve because that reflects then in a higher probability for the investor to see the step up. So it's it's an exchange between the investor and the, the issuer. And I think, uh, you know, the issuer who are ambitious and want to reach really much lower cost of capital through the SLB structure, well, then they should set themselves pretty ambitious targets as well, which is a pretty cool thing, I think, in the, in the context of sustainable finance. Well, we, we've talked a lot about step ups, which are essentially the, the stick, you know, the punishment if the company doesn't reach those targets. Um, but there are also step downs, um, which are the the carrot to the stick <laughs> and incentive. Um, so could you explain a little bit how those work and, and how do you think SLB should be constructed with one or the other? Or do they sometimes use both? Yeah, there are some certain parties in, in the market that are looking more towards the step down structures, which, which is also the dominant uh, structure in the sustainability linked loan market, which is you now bank loans given out in this uh, type of format. How those work is essentially you have your sustainability performance target, but at the future date when you test that, if you achieve those targets, the coupon steps down. So you get the lower interest rate if you actually achieve your target. So this it's this sort of carrot construct. What one can say from a pricing perspective, if you apply sort of financial maths uh, 101, there shouldn't be a difference between the two. But considering that in certain structure or in certain context, the step downs could be more attractive. It is definitely something that, you know, we are actually writing a paper on it right now that we're looking to develop. A special use case, for example, would be if you look at um, a government uh, sovereign issuer, if you think about it, if they have some sustainability targets that you want, you know, not the administration today, but the administration tomorrow, to actually have a you know a positive incentive to achieve, well, then the step down might be a good and better way to structure this type of conditionality trade. So, what the investor expresses is that okay, uh, we are unsure about what you're going to do, but if you're going to do what you're saying you're going to do, then we are going to really you know let the next guys coming to government benefit from that, rather than having something where could be more, more short-term where this administration achieves a lower cost of capital through a step-down structure. And then the next administration, well, they actually, they get to see the step-up and they haven't really been the ones effectuating the investment plans and so on that would have been needed uh, in order to reach the targets. So it is an important evolution to look at the step, uh, step-down structures. And uh, we expect that to come a lot more, especially with, like, as I said, uh, governments and emerging market uh, issuers. Okay. Um, where else do you think that there could be expansion of the SLB market, whether it's in terms of types of issuers, as you just discussed, or, or geographies? 
And do you see any obstacles to those areas of expansion? So one area which I think is really, really exciting in terms of the potentials of the SLBs is within almost like coal retirement mechanism. Those structures would tend to be something like, you know, okay, you have a coal company today and you're asking them, or a coal utility company, you're asking them to have a certain percentage of assets being renewables within five years. Unless they do that, they're going to see a very big step up. This case today, they would usually not be able to issue green bonds because they are a dirty company today. And it's also something where investors just shy away from the green bond format for those types of transformations because the green bond format might be a little bit too, have too few levers on the issue of of the bond. I do think that the challenge will be in these type of transition stories often happening in emerging markets, we will have a challenge to convince traditional developed market, large-scale pension funds and other type of asset owners and investors to actually participate in these types of trades. But it is crucial. I mean, the capital is needed and the impact you can get from these types of new applications of of, uh, the bond format in emerging markets is, is just huge compared to you know, investments in in green bonds and AAA rated land or even, um, you know, investment grade land in in, in the Eurozone, for example. So there's a a story to be told there. There needs to be more risk taking, but the SMB structure should facilitate some of that and some of the concerns that have been towards uh, allocating uh, capital that direction uh, previously. Okay. Has there been any other um, feedback from investors on on SLBs other than, as you said, some, some hesitation perhaps? to use them in certain instances or with certain issuers? Yeah, I I mean, we speak a lot to investors around this. I mean, investors see some of these structures and they sort of shake their head and say, okay, there's very little being offered on the table for me as an investor. At least it's um, similar to an equivalent standard bond and we would buy it as such, not particularly as a sort of a green instrument. There has been a struggle to sort of understand and see how can we actually drive transition with these instruments. And we're we're engaging a lot with investors and asking investors in their turn to engage with their banks and with issuers to require more ambition levels. But that also requires in that case for investors to be happy or able to pay up for that optionality and the bonds that we're speaking to. So, And I think there's a definite progress going on there. People are excited about uh, the instrument and the format, but we need to sort of fine-tune it right. And there's been a few articles as of late uh, trying to sort of say that this is a completely market devoid of any real impact and so on. It is a very young market. Uh, Not that much has been issued, but uh, I'm a pretty cynical person. I've been in bond markets for quite some time, and I don't really easily jump on new things. But I do think the SLB structure does offer some really interesting ways to financialize, uh, you know, impact thinking in in many of the important transition stories. Thank you. I I think that's uh, really helpful to explain uh, to our listeners what SLBs are and how they can be used. And it will be very interesting to see how this new market develops. Uh, So thank you for your time today. Thank you, Monica. And thank you all for listening.